Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Champions for Change segment on the NEC Overtime podcast. I'm Alexis Watson, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advisor for the NEC, and today I'm joined by my coworker and good friend, Morgan Turner, our Communications Assistant. Morgan, do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, thank you, Alexis. Uh, like Alexis said, I am the communications assistant for the NEC, but I also identify as gay or queer. I came out when I was pretty young back in early high school. And then after that, I was a collegiate athlete. And of course, now I'm here working at the conference level. So this part of my identity is just something that permeates my work and is something I bring to the table every single day. And I'm just really excited to have this conversation, especially now that it's Pride Month. Thank you for having me, Alexis. Yes, thank you for, for being willing to have this conversation. I'm so excited. I know you and I have talked about this offline a lot, so I'm excited to be able to share um, with everyone in our community today. So um, why don't we start from the beginning and you can kind of tell me a little bit about what it was like when you first realized that you are gay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would have been 14. Um, I think my story is a little different because I didn't go through any sort of questioning phase or anything. I had a crush on a girl and I went, oh, oh, this is a crush. Oh, I like her. Um, and then I started, you know, telling this to people in my inner circle beginning spring of my freshman year. So I, yeah, I would have been 14. And then I came out to my parents when I was 15. So I was sophomore in high school. I had my first girlfriend. I honestly, I told them because I thought they already knew. They did not. Um, they were shocked. They took it as well as they could have. Um, I understand it really kind of, it definitely sh shook them a little bit, but now that they're very accepting. Um, and again, that's another thing I'm incredibly lucky about, you know, no questioning and not a ton of pushback from my parents. But I did also, especially in high school, go to an extremely conservative uh, high school in a very white Catholic area. I was definitely a bit of an odd woman out for a while. Um, it didn't bother me though, because it's not like I was one of the popular kids and kind of had a fall from fame. I, I always kind of just floated along and I, it didn't bother me that much that the lacrosse boys didn't find me attractive anymore or at all. Like it never bothered me. Um, but that was pretty much, my coming out story wasn't anything too crazy. I just, I told my parents and from that day on, I've, I've of course had to tell people the coming out process doesn't end necessarily, but everyone in my life and my surroundings know it. Um, I'm public about it on social media. It's not something I hide. Um, everyone at the NEC knows and accepts me really, really openly. So it at this point, it's just one part of my identity and not something that has held me back, but it's also something that I like to share with our athletes so they don't feel alone if they're in a similar situation. It just it kind of diving in a little bit more to the, the point you just made about, you know, I think people, people who don't have to come out um, tend to think of coming out as like a one time kind of like you tell people for the first time and then that's it. But obviously it's not. And, you know, every time you get a new job or you, you know, go to a new school, meet new people, that process just keeps going. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what that is like and, and how, how, I guess maybe how it's been received and then how you've handled people maybe who didn't take it so well. Yeah. So like you said, it's never over. The process is just never done. I think in queer spaces, a lot of people consider coming out as when you tell your parents or your caregivers with people closest to you. But 
like you said, I, I'm constantly meeting new people every day in your life. You're interacting with new people that don't know. And especially because I have a lot of straight passing privilege, no one is going to look at me and assume I have a girlfriend, but I do. Um, so it, it depends on the setting. Honestly, there are spaces where I just completely ignore it. I don't necessarily think it's worth it in say internships and things like that. When I would be asked, oh, do you have a boyfriend? I'd just say, no, it's not untrue, but it's not the complete truth. It's not worth having those people look at you differently or being kind of the odd man out, especially in small groups of like four or five people. But when I was at the NEC, which is like first time in my professional life, I told um, coworkers or my bosses even, was because I had felt our culture was so accepting and supportive and really committed to the DEI work. Actually, I told Alexis first, and I was really, really scared to tell Alexis because I thought she was so close. Like, I hope she doesn't li like stop liking me now. And it went really well. And um, she kept, you know, my, my secret for as long as I needed her to. And when I was ready to tell other people, she gave me the space and the time and just supported me throughout all of that. So it was really great. And I wasn't nervous to tell the NEC because I thought they were bad people or they'd shown me in any way, shape or form that they wouldn't accept me, but you just never know. You have no clue what people's opinion on it is. And it's something that can change their opinion on you in a heartbeat and it's never the same. And with our championships and everything like that, I didn't wanna be on the road with someone that was uncomfortable being around me or thought I was, I, I don't know. I just didn't wanna be someone that was ostracized by the group and I wasn't at all and for that I am so incredibly grateful but it does happen um my parents had close family friends who you know the normal straight white one son one daughter the whole nine um and one of the daughters had followed me on Instagram and saw that I was gay and stopped talking to my parents they stopped inviting them to things they were kind of just ostracized in our neighborhood and in a sense I felt bad that I was the reason they had lost these friends, but I'm also very strong in my idea that if these people wouldn't accept your child, you don't wanna be friends with them. Um, and at this point, that's where I'm at with all of it. And if I'm going to be in a situation where I need to quote unquote, come out, if those people are not gonna accept it, it's not a group I want to be around. It's that simple. And sometimes it's hard because again, it could be a job you really want or a friend you really wanna keep. And sometimes you just can't, but again, that's not the right situation for you. And that's just a sign to step away. Yeah. And just to make it clear, um, you are, are not the reason why your parents' friends stopped talking to them. Their bigotry or hatred or homophobia, that is the reason. It's on them. It's not your responsibility to, you know, that's on them and they're missing out. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. Um, and that's something, you know, a lot of, especially young queer kids don't take into account. They, they've put all that bigotry and that hatred back onto themselves when it's, it's really not fair. Another thing I think people don't consider in the coming out process is that in a sense, it forces the people around you to come out as well. For example, like my parents get asked if I have a significant other. And I'll be honest, sometimes they straight up lie and it hurts. Like I hear my dad on the phone when I'm going to my girlfriend's house say, oh, she's going to a friend's. It's like, we've been together for a year. Like it, I'm not going to a friend's. They, they think I've never had a boyfriend or a relationship. And that's something that has like always kind of hurt me, but that's their decision to make it. It's not something when you come out, you can also force them to do. So it's tough, but 
I mean, it's part of the process. And I do think that's something that needs to be acknowledged a little bit more. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so coming out and then what was it like tying that part of your identity into sports or just if, if you want to talk specifically about sport or just your day-to-day kind of things? Yeah, this is another area I've been really lucky. My high school coaches and my college coaches were both queer women. So it was actually really great. And in college, my head coach was married to a woman. So when we would go to her house for like pasta parties or pregame things, they would just be there with their kids acting so normal. And it was something I had never had the opportunity to see before. I don't know any gay adults outside of my coaches. So that's an area of athletics that's actually been super um, helpful to me. And also I went to a historically women's college where the vast majority of the student population was in some way queer. And therefore a lot of my teammates were. And I think that just, it made me more comfortable around my team, especially in the locker room and things like that. Um, And something I've definitely benefited from, but you don't see that happening everywhere. Um, And it is really sad that people feel they need to keep these things from their teams or they'll be shunned or from their coaches for who knows what the detriment would be. Um, And again, that's another reason I'm glad we're speaking today. But athletics, like I, I think it's the greatest kind of platform you can have. If I think about it right now, like I said, I, I don't know any queer adults outside of my coaches. And if I were to think of any like gay moms I look up to, it'd probably be like Sue Bird and Megan. They're they're kind of like the icons. And I can't think of any, or I guess Ellen and Portia, but that many um, like gay women that are older that represent us except for in sports. So I think it's really important that athletes don't just you know stick to the playing, but talk about their personal lives and express who they are and who they love publicly because it gives so many young men and women idols to look up to and examples that while it might be hard for you right now, it's up, like you're gonna grow up and it's gonna be possible for you. You can have this too, even if you're not a professional athlete. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I also, I wanna talk about, I think one thing that we've just learned throughout the course of over a year now is how important language is. I think a lot of times we get to a point, I mean, obviously there's always going to be people who don't want to talk about this just because they're hateful people. Um, But I think that there's also a lot of people who shy away from talking about it because they're so worried about, you know, saying the wrong thing or, or offending somebody. So I wanted to talk about language for, for a bit with you and um, get kind of your perspective on what people in that position should should do. Um, I know one thing for for example, we'll give everyone a little behind the scenes tidbit. Prior to this, I, I remembered we kind of had a conversation about gay versus lesbian um, and which one was your preference. What advice would you give to people who were worried about saying the wrong thing or trying to figure out the proper way to, to refer to somebody or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my advice would be just be comfortable making mistakes and be okay being wrong. It's, it's okay if you're not right. Cause everyone has their own perspective on their own identity and the words they want to be called. Like you said, I don't like using the word lesbian. I think it's been fetishized too much. So I don't, I don't like it very much. Um, but there could be someone out there that does. And if you call them gay, they might get offended, but just they'll correct you once and remember it. it it's, 
it's okay to be wrong in these areas as long as you're showing a willingness to learn and a willingness to refer to someone properly. Uh, another example would be in our, this is another little behind the scene, in our book clubs, we always do a book club. And when we were discussing uh, LGBTQ issues at one of our book clubs, I said, oh, I like, like I'm comfortable with being referred to as queer. That's how I identify. Um, it's all encompassing and it works for me. But our older uh, coworkers were like, oh, we're, re we're really uncomfortable with that word. We think it has a bad connotation. I said, okay, I mean, you don't have to use it, but our younger kind of generation is reclaiming that word um, and recognizing that sexuality is on a spectrum and you don't necessarily have to check one box. You can, you can circle two or one and a half. Um, and just find where you fit on that spectrum, which has been why the word queer is really coming back. But yeah, like you said, language is, is so important. Um, and the most important thing I guess I would say is just don't purposely say something wrong. Um, I'm sure anyone listening to this and that's committed to DEI is not going to purposely say something wrong, but if someone corrects you, really listen to them and take that to heart. And just remember for next time, that that's all you can do. There's no way you would know right away, um, but if you're told, listen, that's it. And I don't want to, um, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, because this isn't my space to say how someone might feel, but I'd imagine that with certain things, people probably get used to making those corrections when they first meet people or something like that. And so if you do make that mistake, know that when the person is correcting you, they're probably not doing it in a a mean way, or they're probably not judging you for making that mistake. And so there's no need to like get defensive about why you made that mistake. Just recognize it, apologize, correct it and move on. You know, I do, I wanna circle back to your comment on gay versus lesbian and the word lesbian being fetishized. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I feel like that is very like it's a big issue for for gay women um and being taken seriously as a gay woman or like you know so can you talk about that um a little bit more yeah so when i think about the word lesbian and again these are just my own opinions and my own perspective on this but people think two girls together is hot um and my that maybe that might sound like a more of an acceptance towards it. It's absolutely not. Because um, if you think of the way people view two women in a relationship and two men in a relationship, it is vastly different. Um, typically, women and women relationships are kind of like undervalued or seen as just like part of hookup culture, especially in college these days. If you see two women kissing, you're like, oh, they're just doing that for attention. This has happened to me actually many times. Because again, I look fairly straight but if I'm out and about with a partner someone will be like oh are, are you like are you really lesbian I'm like what like this is my partner we are together um that is how it is it, I don't need the weird questions from frat boys but yeah people look at it and think oh like that, that's something that's hot that you're doing for the entertainment of others that's really what it goes back to is that these um women and women relationships are about the entertainment of others mainly cis men and that's that's not the case these are real relationships where people love one another care for one another value one another and it's not for the attention of strangers really um and i think it really goes back to that and again if two men were in a relationship in public i think they'd be much more likely to be assaulted verbally assaulted um 
than women are and it puts the two the two types of gay people kind of at odds with one another at war with one another because we do recognize that we're treated differently based on the way we present and how the world views us um it's not necessarily fair so i, I prefer the term gay because everyone knows what i mean um i i feel people receive it better and i and it really encompasses what i'm trying to explain about myself so i I think this phrase has come up twice now and I've understood what you're saying, but just for people listening who maybe haven't, can you talk about the concept of being straight passing and some of the privileges that come with that? Of course. So straight passing is just someone that looks straight. If you saw them on the street, you wouldn't assume. Um, And like, obviously no stereotypes or anything like that, but there are people you look at and you think, oh, you could be gay and there are people you look at and you don't even think about it and i'm think i think i'm someone when you look at me you don't assume you didn't know before i told you basically um and again to me it feels obvious because i know and i know it's who i am but people looking at me don't automatically think that at all ever so i have the privilege of being able to walk around in public especially when i'm alone and have and appear as a cis white woman and have all the privileges that come with that it's something i can turn on and turn off whenever I really want to. If I'm with my partner in public and we think we're in an area that's maybe less safe for us or a place we're not comfortable, we can stop holding hands, we can walk a little further apart and then we'll be safe, we'll be fine. But couples who may look, look more gay, and again, that's up to your interpretation, don't always have that opportunity and are like more likely to be hate crime. That's that's what it comes down to. Um, it's It's hard when you're trying to come out if you're straight passing because people are like oh i had no clue like you're probably not or it's probably just a phase but it's such an advantage if you're in unsafe situations because you can always pretend or not i don't like the word pretend but you could walk around and no one would know um basically and it's definitely something to protect yourself when yeah, you yeah. Have potential it's like an, an, invisibility, an invisibility cloak yeah. i put on the cloak and i i'm fine and that's not an advantage everyone necessarily has. Um, so it's definitely something that like I have to recognize when I'm out and about and when I'm doing this work because I can enter a space and be welcomed by cis white people in power because they assume I'm one of them. And even if in some way I'm not, that's a power I do have. And it's one that um, is important to recognize. So I know we've covered a lot today. A few more things um, that I, I want to talk about. First, allyship. Um, it's pride, and I feel like everyone gets super excited about pride, straight people included, um, or like cis people. I feel like it especially happens with women. I know I'm going to some pride festivals with my friends coming up. But I feel like a lot of times it gets lost with just celebrations and rainbow flags and like, let me put a sticker on my face so everyone knows I'm an ally, right? So can you talk to us a little bit more about what you look for um, when it comes to allyship and how people can be better allies beyond just like buying a rainbow t-shirt, right? Yeah, so... Okay, I'll start with just pride parades in general. Uh, I think it's really important as an ally to understand the roots of pride and how it 
was originally a riot started by black trans women. And we don't have a time like time to go through the entire timeline right now, but I strongly encourage everyone listening to go look up about the Stonewall riots and Marsha P. Johnson and why we are where we are. And also recognize that when you're at a pride parade, it's not necessarily just like a block party for you to drink with your friends and have fun. It's a celebration for gay people to acknowledge, first of all, being a safe space where they can express themselves. Second of all, to acknowledge our expanded rights as human beings at the end of the day. You know, I forget, I think it was Frozen that I said to our group, like, you know, Frozen is older than gay marriage. Um, and that may seem ridiculous because we're all used to it now, but it it's just the honest truth. This isn't something we've had an opportunity to do for a very long time. And pride is a big part of that celebration. So when you're in those spaces, just recognize why you're there and be respectful about it. I'm not saying don't go and have fun. I go and have fun. And I'm not constantly thinking about, you know, my forefathers. But when you're there, just make sure you're doing so for the right reasons and being respectful. Um, because those are, sometimes that's the only day a year a kid can really be themselves with people like them. And it gives me like shivers because I'm so lucky that I don't have that. But at the end of the day, it's true. If you drive or you ride the train home from New York City Pride, you're seeing kids changing and out of their their colors and, you know, wiping their face tattoos off. And it's just, it's really sad. And that's an also a very important thing to recognize about the day. Um, and like you mentioned, like Pride merch going off of allyship, it's so easy for companies to make rainbow apparel or change their Instagram, you know, profile picture to a rainbow. But just do your research on these things. Uh, make sure these aren't companies that are, it's called rainbow washing uh, for pride to sell, <laughs> sell product. And they're not actually donating to LGBTQ organizations or even worse, they're actively donating to anti-LGBTQ um, organizations or supporting politicians that are anti-LGBTQ. Um, I think that's really, really important. Like, you know, I, I wish I had the list on me, but there are so many that are simply rainbow washing for pride and to get your money. Um, to avoid this in general, just you can always shop small shop, LGBTQ owned businesses, black trans businesses. Um, they have great unique pieces and it's a great way to know that your your dollars going to a truly good place um and then just as allyship in general don't treat your friends any differently because they're gay like get in conversations with them about their relationships talk to them like they're normal people because they are um i have a twin sister and i'll be honest when i first came out she wasn't super comfortable with it it was strange for her you know we've grown up together literally and it was hard for her to accept, but now she's, you know, she's waving the rainbow flag and she yells at frat boys when they say like, oh, that's gay as an insult. But now for us, it's just like, it's so normal. Like she'll call me talk about her boyfriend. I'll call her talking about my girlfriend and it's just normal. I don't know how many times I can say that, but just make your friends feel comfortable and at home with themselves, and especially support them if it's an issue you don't necessarily understand, like their parents being not accepting or them having trouble with their religion and their sexuality. Um, just stand by them and give them as much support as you can. To kind of summarize that, one, if you're if you're doing Pride stuff this month, or um, I guess just at any point, especially since a lot of the traditional Pride celebrations have been in some cases pushed back due to COVID. So whenever you're doing Pride stuff, if you're straight or just not part of the community in general, go have fun, but understand why you're there, 
and don't take up too much space because it's not your space to take up. Um, two, if you're gonna buy Pride merch, look into the company, see where the money's going, see how they treat their people too. Not only where they give money to, but like what are their policies on, you know, LGBTQ plus inclusion. Um, and then just treat your friends how you would yeah, treat like, them. like, I mean, check in, ask about their partner, whatever. Yeah. What advice would you give to parents whose child comes this out to them? One. This is a hard one. Um, they're still your kid. It's, it's no different. And be grateful that they felt safe and comfortable enough with you to bring this to you. If you think about it, not a lot of high school kids are going to their parents and talking to them about their straight relationships, let alone one that is outside the quote unquote norm. Just, I know it's hard. I know you've had all these ideas about the way your kid is gonna grow up and marry the perfect man and have the white picket fence. Um, and just recognize that they can still have the white picket fence. It just might be a woman standing next to them. Um, again, I recognize where it's hard and I don't think you need to be 100% waving the rainbow flag right away. But you do need to be there for your child to remember that you love your child regardless. This is, this doesn't make them a different person. It just is another side of them and one they're comfortable enough to share with you. So just do your best. Obviously I'm not a parent right now, I'm just a child, but recognize how your actions benefit or hurt your child. Like I mentioned before, hearing my dad refer to my girlfriend as my friend constantly it hurts. It makes me feel like he doesn't accept the relationship, even though he says he, you know, he loves her. She's great. If he's not open about it with his closest friends, it, it makes me feel bad. It's that simple. Um, so just little things like that and just keep learning, keep trying. Uh, and the best you can do is simply your best. So just keep trying. Kind of shifting to sport um, and bringing this back to like the NEC. Um, what do you think coaches, um, teams, administrators, even us at the NEC, what do we need to hear? What, what can we do um, better? Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the NEC. I think, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think we're in a really great place with our conference staff actively trying to learn more and see where we can apply it. Um, book club is one of my favorite things. I'm not just saying it because you're one of my favorite people, but <laughs> having book club where we can openly and comfortably discuss what we need to learn, what we have learned, and just how we can apply that to the conference has been really great. And we're seeing, even this year, really um, obvious changes. For example, we changed from female student athlete of the year to female team student athlete of the year because we don't know necessarily how that winner will um, identify and just things like that. Um, and I think as long as we continue bringing these changes to our member institutions, we're on a great path. Um, and that's that's really the first step is to be the leader as the conference for our member institutions. And that'll trickle down to our student athletes. And for our coaches and our admins is to just be an open, welcoming person. And I know that's so vague, but create an environment where your athletes know they can go to you. Um, and for our athletes, don't feel like you're the only person ever going through this. Um, if you're unsure of yourself or you, know, you have a friend on your team you can talk to or someone on the administration you can talk to. And as long as you're using those resources 
you'll be in a better place and it'll make you feel better to just talk about it. And again, I know I don't have the world's best advice because I didn't have the most difficult um, kind of coming out experience, but there's nothing wrong with you. You're, it's just who you are, embrace it, enjoy it, have, you can still have your normal college experience if you're gay, lesbian, queer, um, trans, whatever it may be. It's not going to detract from your college experience if you embrace it. Um, if it's something you try to hide or keep from your teammates, I could see that detracting from your experience. Uh, that's just my opinion. Of course, my overall kind of coming out warning is only do so in a place you feel safe and comfortable. It is my hope that all of our um, administrators and coaches create environments that are safe and comfortable. But if you obviously do not feel safe or comfortable or for some reason believe it's not a space you should be coming out to, don't you don't have to force it. There's no reason to do that. I know this advice has been kind of all over the place, but in summation for our coaches and admins, be welcoming people, put a rainbow sticker on your door. I know I just talked about rainbow washing, but whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, oh, cool. We're good. We're good. Like, it's fine. If I see a rainbow flag in public, just out in the wild, I'm like, oh, that's a place that would accept me. And it makes me feel good. It just does. So it's wild. Yeah, I love that. It's great. It's great. Um, so yeah, just if you put like a rainbow sticker on your door, or have like a little pride flag on your desk, that will signal to those athletes that you are a safe space for them, um, which I think is really, really fantastic. Um, your pronouns too, putting pronouns. <laughs> and I know, obviously, today we're talking about, you know, sexual identity and orientation, and that's more like gender identity. But still, I feel like even just when you see someone who has put in the effort to acknowledge pronouns are important, like that's a safe space as well. I agree, I agree 100%. Um, of course, won't speak for trans people, but yeah, someone that takes the time to acknowledge their own pronouns and to make it known to the world that they care about pronouns is likely someone that supports um, queer people. That's That could be just my own opinion, but yeah, I totally agree with you on that, Alexis. And yeah, so my athlete advice is just be yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. I know this is so cliche and cheesy, but it gets better. You'll be happy. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, and I know it's hard right now or to whoever's listening. If you're struggling, I understand and I feel you. And my email's always open. Uh, you can find me on the NEC website, but there you'll have great times in your life and you'll be so thankful for who you are. And that's really all it comes down to. You know, my sister and I, I think about it. I think about how different we are now and how different our romantic lives are, but I, I wouldn't want to be in her shoes. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Like I'm happy in my sexuality. It's not something I even think about that much anymore. And she's like, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna marry a woman. It's gonna be beautiful. We're gonna have pretty dresses. It'll be great. Um, and I don't get hung up on the things that I won't have as a queer person. Um, yeah, I just, again, I'm rambling, but I promise it gets better. Cheesy as it is, it's absolutely true. I think that that is, the best place to end it. Um, so I will say um, thank you, Morgan, for just your willingness to have this conversation and, and to be so um, transparent with, I know it's easier for you to talk to me because we're friends, but just to have this conversation for everyone in the NEC community to hear. Um, and then special thanks to those watching. Um, I hope you enjoyed our Champions for Change segment on the NEC Overtime podcast.
Thank you so much for having me, Alexis. Like you said, it's easy because we're friends, but we are also coworkers. And before we were friends, you were someone I could go to. So that's another great piece of advice. Just be someone for someone. Um, and thank you again so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. Again, if you need any anything from me in, in any way, shape or form, you can find me on the NEC uh, staff directory. But I look forward to speaking with you all and I hope you enjoyed this.